0: Go ahead and take the speed up your number one now. Runway on like 273 Land
1: Green Dot. Welcome nice Oshkosh, guys, guys. Hello and welcome back to another exciting and we guarantee thrill-packed episode of the Green Dot. EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. Recorded here at EAA's headquarters in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I'm Hal Bryan. I'm senior editor for print and digital content and publications at EAA. Sitting next to me on my left.
0: I'm Chris Henry, the EA Museum Program's coordinator.
2: Over there across the table, Tom Charpentier, Government Relations Director.
1: And today we have not one, not three, but two special guests joining us. Rick Larson, Sean Elliott. Uh, Sean coming back for his second time, putting him uh, tied with Jack Pelton in the two-timers club. So... Who knows what's going to what's gonna happen there. Uh, Rick, we like to call you the Vice President of Stuff and Things. And so, Sean, that makes you the Vice President of Things and Stuff. But, uh, <laughs> Rick, in actuality, it's uh, Communities and Member Programs. And it also, is
3: Communities and Member Programs. And
1: Features and Attractions for AirVenture. Yep. Uh, and, Sean, it's, uh, it's Government Relations and Advocacy and Air Tours, Air Operations. I'm running out of words.
4: It's just all of those things. Uh, the main reason for today is Rick and I team on all the features and attractions. Sure. So would you say that you're a feature and Rick is an attraction, or does it go the other way
1: around? <laughs> Depends on whether it's flying or not, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> That's whether we're flying or not. So, all right. Well, we thought we'd do uh, for this one. We're recording this uh, at, uh, on Friday, the week after Air Venture, and I, hope, I imagine we're going to get it out sometime next week. But uh, we want to let's look back at Air Venture a little bit. Talk about. Uh, Let's talk about what uh, what our roles were. Who did what? What, what were what we involved in? So, Chris, let's uh, let's start with you. We'll just go around the table and see what people come up with.
0: Um, my kind of key areas uh, for the the outward facing uh, items were the B 25s I got to play a, a role in there on that team of getting B twenty five A Big role. <laughs> I appreciate that and. Uh, uh, it was quite an honor to get them here, and, and, and it was exciting to, to plan it. My wife said I was kind of playing with the largest die-cast collection in the world. So, uh, um, And uh, the other part of it was the Apollo astronauts. I got to play a part in uh, getting the astronauts here. And, uh, um, yeah, I had a pretty fun week between the two of those. so To
4: say the least. So, uh, Sean, how would you encapsulate uh... Your week, if that's oh boy, all over the field. I mean, yeah. obviously, a big part of my week is on the the government relations side, and all of our our colleagues within the FAA, NTSB, and other government and uh, industry uh, associates. Tom will tell you more about that because he's my right hand on all of that. And then, obviously, on recognized part, um, all of the aircraft operation side. Um, you know, the, the the flight line and. Uh, the air show every day, and the acts, and the, the safety aspects, and the liaison ship with the FAA, all of those aspects are, are part of my responsibilities.
1: Now, I think we're going to come back to this in a minute, Sean, but very quickly, how did
4: you get to AirVenture this year? <laughs>
1: uh,
4: I had a pretty, pretty awesome ride. Um, I have the world's greatest boss, and that Jack Pelton said... If you need to take two days and bring Doc from Wichita, go for it. And uh, this was the Friday, Saturday before Air Venture, so it was a really, really busy time. But my team's awesome, and uh, we had everything developed and ready. And I was able to scoot over to Wichita and be part of the flight crew that uh, brought Doc in on Saturday afternoon. And that was a once-in-a-lifetime kind of experience. It was awesome. So you showed up in
1: the cockpit of a B-29. I did. <laughs> and, uh, I did. And, and Rick, you were in the left seat of a Honda Pilot? A Honda Is that Pilot, right? yeah. Okay. yeah, <laughs> Excellent. So Rick, tell us about. Uh, he had just, air conditioning though. Well, <laughs> cry me a river.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Welcome back to the No Sympathy Hour.
1: <laughs> so Rick, let's uh, let's talk about your week, uh, if you if you remember any of
3: it. I will tell you what, it's. Uh, I think for all of us, it's it's a week that just always just flies by. You know, Sunday afternoon comes, and you know the entire week seems like a blur. Um, You know, Sean mentioned because of the features and attraction side, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, during the the air show side, you know, watching what goes on. And and primarily for me, I want to see what the reaction of the crowd is to a lot of the things that we've pulled together. Uh, You know, at times, ideas might seem like really good ideas, but they don't necessarily come across the way we had intended uh, so spent a lot of time doing that because I think in the end what we want to try to do every year is improve on on what we're doing. Uh, you know certainly in the evenings and that I'm heavily involved in things like flying movie theater, theater in the woods and the programming that goes on there. So you know my week is uh, is spent bouncing around um, all over the field and then you know from a communities and, and member program standpoint trying to keep my hand on, you know, how things are going there this year, for example, you know, we we launched the Blue Barn as a home for chapters and young eagles and eagle flights. And, you know, clearly getting a sense of how that went was uh, was important to me and, and honestly went over really well this week.
1: Sure. Oh, that's excellent. Uh, let's uh, keep it moving with Tom. Tom, uh, tell us about uh, your your advocacy.
2: <laughs> well yeah a lot of people um, actually wonder what we in the government advocacy department actually do during our venture because uh, we're not answering the phones in fact I'm still waiting through my voicemails from last week everybody <laughs> please be patient uh, and uh, we're oftentimes not in the kind of public facing areas of uh, advocacy we we do have a booth um, in the member welcome center uh, this year we were showing off our new STC with our STC airplane but those are generally staffed by volunteers um, I was there a little bit, and if, uh, if um, you stopped by, uh, I was glad to see you. But um, generally, we do two things during Air venture. One is we have a very large contingent, very much to their credit, of FAA people here. And that's everybody from the administrator all the way down to the staffers that really implement the policy. So it is a fantastic opportunity for us to sit down for an hour or two at a time and, and really – Dive into a lot of the issues um, that we deal with throughout the year. It's a good opportunity to kick off certain initiatives, check in on certain initiatives, um, and we had a lot of productive meetings this year. About and uh, you know, just kind of rattling off a few things on the list, um, some pretty exciting reforms to the way that we flight test experimental aircraft that um, could be very exciting for um, a lot of uh, amateur builders that are uh, that are nearing completion. Um, you know, the idea of uh, having phase one flight testing be a little bit more meaningful and maybe a little bit shorter for uh, for people who opt into a certain program. Um. We uh, all sorts of different um, uh, subjects we met on uh, the future of light sport aircraft and uh, what we can do with the light sport category, um, and I even had um, a really productive time with uh, some members of our Canadian council about uh, some of the cross-border uh, flight operations rules and what we can do about that. So that's the meeting side of things, um, and then we also have, of course, we do have a lot of high-ranking uh, FAA and TSB and other government agency officials that come through here. Um, and we arrange for and then conduct tours with those individuals um, and, um, you know, kind of take them on a, on a general tour of the event um, and, uh, and sometimes the specifics of, uh, of, of what we're doing in a given year, certain exhibitors and things like that. And it's really a great opportunity for, you know, during Oshkosh, avia- general aviation is on display. Um, this is a... Um, you know, where the world, where the general aviation world comes for one week out of the year. And uh, it really is a really good opportunity to showcase that and for people to really get it. Um, Chris, you were mentioning the B-25s, and we actually took the FAA administrator and his whole party um, underneath that, assemb- you know, we had the all the aircraft arranged as they were on the Hornet, basically this, this massive canopy of B-25s. And we just um, sat there for a few minutes and, and told stories about some of the veterans that we've had here and and, um, and and things like that and really tried to impress upon them how important it is to keep these old warbirds flying and I really think they got it um, so that's um, that's in a, in a nutshell I know I rambled just a little bit there but uh, that's <laughs> uh, that, that's generally what we do during uh, during our adventure
1: uh, that's, that's great and it's it is tough for any one of us uh, we all end up wearing I think everybody on staff ends up wearing multiple hats uh, that week and certainly in the times leading up to it, and it is uh, it is tricky to encapsulate. and 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 for any of us, I'm soon sure, as soon as we listen to this episode, we'll say, "Oh, but what about this, this and this? I did those things too, or I was supposed to, and forgot. so <laughs> which hopefully and isn't it's too the case. Late now. yeah, it's too late now.
0: I think there's still somebody waiting for a parking pass. yeah I'm, I'm sure there is.
1: <laughs> oh man. So for me, from my point of view, you know, I work on the publications team, and so i'm I'm, uh, I'm about storytelling and uh, finding stories and writing stories things like that primarily for the magazine for the web for our blog this year was a little bit uh, unusual for me in that we had a brand new social media coordinator on staff this was his first air venture Uh, so it fell to me to spend some time uh, mentoring him helping him sort of experience his first air venture and understand and survive and uh, giving a crash course on you know why these ten thousand airplanes are all cool, each in their own uh, individual way. Uh, so that was something that I had. Uh, that was my primary role at EA until a couple of years ago. So it was interesting to sort of step back into that a little bit and have a have a say in that. My day starts uh, every morning with a uh, with a meeting at about seven, and we talk about what have we seen out there, what's what's going on out there, what are the interesting airplanes that have come in. And one of the things I I love absolutely the most about about my job, makes me feel incredibly lucky, is that um, I tend to serve as something of a scout for stories. So I'm out there, I'm on the grounds, and I come back in the next morning and I say, we've seen this, this, and this, we should get photos of this, let's do a story about that. I'll pitch the idea of a magazine story to to my boss, Jim, uh, who is undoubtedly listening, so... Hi, Jim. Um, and uh, figure out sort of what approach to take to tell, to tell a story of, of the interesting airplanes and people and things that we come across. Uh, so then throughout the day, it's it's running around, it's finding stories, it's interviewing people, um, it's, uh, it's helping keep the social media channels fed this year. That was the, the biggest part of it. Uh, then uh, I also spend time on EA radio every day. Uh, I'm a guest on, uh, on a show there that I have now just taken over. And I've been given my own special theme and introduction, which is uh, (laughs) Rick is rolling his eyes. I wish you you could probably hear the eye roll there. And uh, it's all very tongue-in-cheek, Rick. Don't worry. It Uh, it happens at my expense. You may relax. Yes. Uh, And then, uh, um, of course, we did during the week, uh, we did a live episode of The Green Dot. First time we'd ever done that. And that felt like that was a success. Thanks to uh, our senior intern and uh, executive producer, Ty Windish, over there, giving us a fist bump. And producer Sarah is in the room, so everybody just say hi, Sarah.
3: Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. I meant the
1: people listening that she could never hear, <laughs> but that's fine, too. Uh, and then um, I had another unique opportunity this year to sort of to end each uh, each night, um, and this was thanks to you, Rick, you, uh, you steered me this direction, but uh, I got to the Master of Ceremonies at the fly Theater and introduce uh, these great aviation movies and uh, every night with interesting guests, uh, and certainly... Uh, uh, one of the most memorable was uh, Saturday night, the last night when Sean and Rick, you guys came up, we introduced Strategic Air Command, so I know, I, I sure had fun, I think you guys did too.
3: It was, it was a lot of fun.
1: So that's, uh, that's some of my day in a nutshell.
3: See, so, we're we're jealous because you're one of the few that actually during the week gets to go out and look at airplanes on purpose. Well, <laughs> yeah. On purpose, yeah. with a yeah.
1: mission in no. mind, that's true, so, oh, and I'm also uh, Considered very fortunate, Rick, to uh, to uh, at least occasionally have a seat at the table with with you and your team in terms of features and attractions. Uh, um, Have some small inputs there. I I did a uh, nothing compared to you, Chris. I did had some small influence on part of the sort of the structure of the B25 stuff with some of the vintage newsreels and things that came together, and then uh, and then of course uh, the uh, the old time radio stuff for the Lindbergh updates. That that I consider that a success because nobody believes that was my voice. So if you're around the grounds and you heard some guy talking about Charles A Lindbergh and the Spirit of St. Louis. Yes, that was really me. And Ty, when we get to that point in the recording, let's 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 get the effects rolled in. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so uh does anybody here have or we can go around the table again does anybody have a, a favorite moment or I it, I think it's it's impossible to pick one, but uh maybe maybe some of our favorites, Chris?
0: Oh boy. <laughs> um, I mean, thanks to you guys, I never thought I'd be in the same room with an astronaut, let alone like eight or nine of them. <laughs> and um, I think one of my favorite moments was, is during the, uh, the show, we had a, um, a lunch that only, uh, it was kind of reserved private for the Apollo veterans, not just the astronauts, but if you had worked on the program, and you were an engineer, you know, a designer or a contractor for, for the programs, Um, You got to come to it, and in my head, what I thought was we were giving a chance for the engineers and these guys who never got the spotlight to get a chance to meet an astronaut, and it actually worked a little bit in reverse because a lot of them, when they came in the door, the astronauts were the ones that were excited to see the engineers because they had worked together on the spacecraft and on the on the systems, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in years," and they were hugging and you know, they were looking for pens and papers, they could trade contact information and it worked opposite of what I thought we were going to see. And I, I think that was really cool. That was a really neat thing to be a part of. But I know you were there with us, Rick. And yeah,
3: it was uh, It was pretty amazing. I had jotted that down as one of my favorite moments as well. Um, yeah, I think as we go around the table here, one of the things that's what, it's pretty cool that, that just is AirVenture is it always comes back somewhere to people and, yeah. and it, it comes back to the community. This case um, with the Apollo astronauts on Thursday at lunch, um, you know, with EA members that had worked on either, you know, Mercury, Gemini, or Apollo, um, it was really special to watch that interaction. And we had specifically set that up with no agenda, no program whatsoever. We uh, we had reserved space over in the Founders Library, and uh, you know, just let them interact and let them mingle and. And I'll tell you, the, the feedback we got, both from the astronaut side and from members that, that simply were there participating, and it was incredible. Um, you know, in, in most cases, you know, these folks that were were meeting again, you know, 50 years had gone by, and and it was really special to see that interaction and see... You know these deep working relationships and and friendships rekindled. So I'm glad we did that. It was a uh, it was a nice opportunity to go to provide everybody that participated.
4: How about you, Sean? Well, you know it's interesting how I, I, out of all the different things that I have involvement with throughout the week, there is one particular standout moment, and it has to do with the fact that this is my twenty-first air venture. You know when when I started here. It was actually Oshkosh, it wasn't even called AirVenture yet, sure. and I lived through, you know, the Concord being here, Spaceship One arriving here, some pretty s- significant moments in uh, Oshkosh or AirVenture history. And it, it really struck me Monday night, Monday night when I was down at the south side of the field with our new Funfly Zone, and I was watching the activities and seeing the crowd's overall enthusiasm and excitement over a brand new feature and element of this event that culminated with some amazing 3D RC, you know, large-scale right. IMAX-sized airplanes flying some phenomenal routines that people just adored. Um, as, I, as I saw that, and as I saw the, the hot air balloon glow, and then I saw the size of the crowd at the Bare Lady concert, it, it just struck me heavy that we have truly taken this event to the next level. We have something for everybody all the way into the depths of the evening. And it was it was just awesome to have that 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 warm sense of we are evolving this event and it it's the greatest aviation event on the planet and we're making it happen to the next level and that that felt really good. Well, it's amazing to me because you look
1: around the
4: event and you can
1: you can stop any point anywhere on the grounds anytime during the week or the a couple months leading up to it. And you can spot somebody doing something. You know, somebody is out repainting the curb lines in front of the museum. Operation Thirst volunteers are out there, you know, doing what they do. And you know, you extrapolate that out past you know the five six thousand volunteers and the staff and what twelve or fourteen hundred acres for the size of the grounds. And and the thing is so incredibly big and rich and lush that I maintain that, that we could not if if we didn't have this event we couldn't just set out today and and create anything like it i think it has to be something that has grown Organic- organically yep. and grown with passion and and the spirit of volunteerism and everything over the years but it's it's amazing to me though that uh that we can take something that we we frankly couldn't build from scratch but we can keep finding ways to improve it and make it make it a richer and more focused aviation experience and i don't mind saying uh you, Sean, you're talking with the activities on the Fun Fly Zone, the, the Twilight Flight Fest stuff, which is the first time I've said that without stumbling, by the way. <laughs> um, I was thrilled to see this year, no disrespect to the evening entertainment we've had in the past, I was thrilled to see this year uh, nightly entertainment that's focused very squarely on aviation. Absolutely, It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a concert every single night. Uh, it can be something that's still stays true to the core and the the theme of things
3: and I think that was you know clearly the bet we were making was you know that we could go ahead and and trade what we were doing with the main stage on you know the nights other than the Monday night opening day concert and trade that for what we wound up doing down on the south end of the field as well as other activities in the evening but clearly the new thing was Twilight Flight Fest and You know, as as Sean has said, I mean, I think it went over incredibly well. I mean, that was one of those things that we talked about. Dennis Dunbar certainly was a driver with that one. Uh, You know, but, you know, we had a pretty good feeling going into it that it would work. Um, Actually going down there and watching it and watching the crowd grow every night, because clearly there wasn't a lot of awareness of, you know, a new activity like this. It's hard to get the word out. But to see it grow every night was pretty special, and to see the reaction, as as Sean said, to um, what was going on down there, you know, whether it was the three DRC, you know, which which did get a tremendously warm welcome here, um, but also you know the paradigm team that you know was flying two nights in a night air show, but just having them down there, basically doing fun flying in the evening, uh, you know, our whole idea with that south end is is exposing people to Different ways to get involved in aviation and in many ways lower cost ways to get involved in aviation and, and I think we, you know, in some way achieved that this year and, and it certainly gives us an opportunity to grow that and expand that. Yep.
4: Absolutely. And you know how the we often have referred to Oshkosh Air Venture as a city unto itself. Yes. And this year it almost felt like a city that never sleeps. I mean right. it really yes, is it really something did. for everybody, mm-hmm. almost twenty four seven. It's uh, it's got suburbs. It does.
1: Uh, it's got shopping, a wide variety of dining choices. The grocery it's, store. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Little bedroom community out there, in Camp Scholar with with forty thousand people living out there. It it really is. And there's that sense too. I I always used to say when I would come come out here just for uh, AirVenture every, every summer. Um, it uh, once you've been a couple of times and you learn your way around and you start making friends and you know. These airplanes are usually here, and this person usually camps there. It does feel like coming back to your hometown every time. You come back to the hometown, and it's like you're in town for the your high school reunion or something. You run into everybody. A few things have changed, and you point those out, but lots of stuff is still in the same area, and it's got that same vibe to it. And uh, um, So you know, I'll never forget the first time I was on the grounds. Uh, like in, it was April of 2002 when I was out in the off-season before I started working here, and... It's jarring. It's, it's actually really upsetting. What did you do to my hometown? There's nobody here. You know, did you drop a neutron bomb? What, are there zombies? What, so it, it feels so strange uh, on the, the convention grounds themselves. But, but that city metaphor holds true. And I, I, you, you learn landmarks, you learn routes, you learn traffic yep. patterns, all those things. Your favorite restaurants, uh, even though those have changed a bit over the years, but uh, that, that really rings true. So, so Rick, uh, as we, somewhat continuing around the room, you, you talked about some things. Is there, are there other shining moments, uh, particular favorites, personal things that really stood out for you?
3: Yeah, you know, I, we talked about the Apollo side, and that was clearly a big one. Um, but, you know, one of the things that we do every year, uh, and it, it never ceases to have an impact, I think, in everybody that participates in it, and that's the Honor Flight yes. and the return of the Honor Flight on on Friday. Uh, at the end of the, uh, the air show. And, you know, you realize throughout the entire week the role that we all play in, in helping, and, and the volunteers clearly in delivering it, but helping to facilitate this this event that we're talking about that is so important to people. And, and you see that in, in everybody's eyes, and you hear it played back to you, all of us, you know, during the week. But on Friday... You know, it, it goes to another level, I think, with what we do uh, with a group of folks that, um, in this case, and, and for the last five years, have been doing yellow ribbon honor flights, so Vietnam vets. And you realize how important that evening becomes, you know, for 120 folks that never did get a welcome home when they came back. And, and even though in many cases, you know, we're talking 45 or more years ago, uh, this is still a raw nerve. And, and in some way, you know, you can almost see that we're providing a little bit of closure on something that they never were able to get closure over. Uh, and and that evening, I think you know, and in, in the morning as well, and in, in the send off, um, you know, at five thirty or six o'clock in the morning, uh, followed by you know what happens on the plaza at the end of the air show is just to me, it's one of the more special moments I think of the uh, of the entire week, and it's it's one that you just absolutely can't walk away without an emotional reaction to.
1: Absolutely, as. Even the photos and you know the videos and things that you capture, I don't I don't know how uh, I don't know how anybody can sort of keep it together when you see this guy. It's really you see, hard. You see the folks coming down the stairs. What, and, what
3: was interesting this year is you know, we had um, uh, Major General um, Lewis and, and, and Boussier um, as as well as Admiral Gillingham, and you could see the emotional reaction from them as well. You know and, and these are folks that have been in the military for years uh, and in talking to them afterwards, I mean clearly a very moving um, evening for them as well and, and I think that says a lot.
1: Oh, that's excellent. So Tom, anything that, uh, anything that jumps out at you? Uh, besides the live Green Dot podcast, which obviously that was a special moment for all of us, yes. I did, but it really, that really was a blast.
2: No, it certainly was. Um, and I, you know, I try not to get, I try not to get too. Well, I, I mean, I, I get about as wowed as everybody does at the, at the kind of the G Wiz stuff that goes on during Air Venture. Uh, obviously, the experience is much deeper than that. But uh, I, I guess I do just have to say that there were two times that I was. Try, I was driving down um, one of the main drags with uh, with my golf cart, and practically without looking, just had to kind of dive to the side of the road and get out of it, and just like involuntarily just yell, you know, "Wow!" <laughs> 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 and uh, that was the 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 twin B twenty nine flyover. Yes, Absolutely. And well, We can the, all agree uh, on that one. And yeah. and the and the, um, and, and the the three ship um, uh, bomber flyover. Oh the B one, the B you know, two, and B fifty two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, spectacular. That yeah. was pretty amazing. That um, was
1: a goosebump moment for me as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and also the uh, the Twilight show with the B2. That was pretty amazing. But, um, but no, I, I think, you know, I, I try to every year, aside from the professional roles I have, I try to experience the event as as much as I can. This was actually my first year that I airplane camped. Um, I took one of our flying club airplanes, our, our – um, our L4 replica, uh, Wag Arrow Cubby, and I uh, taxied it over to homebuilt Camping, and uh, I, I parked um, right near the pavilion and uh, and spent as many nights as I could there.
1: Yeah, I saw that parked out there, and I assumed it was probably you that had it, and then I just thought, how interesting is it, how many, how many airplanes taxi to Oshkosh, <laughs> to camp. It's like, did you even lift the tail? Yeah. Did you, a little extra blast of power, and just get one wheel off the ground? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: one of these Those days, I, you know, a... I still have not flown the Nodem yet, yeah. and I, I, I should probably do that at some point, just to have that experience. But um, I, I've car camped <laughs> sure. a lot before. I've, I've camped in Schollern in, in prior yeah. years, but... Uh, this was a different experience, and that was something no. that I was
4: kind of aiming for. Hey, you can say you taxied the Notum now. Yeah, that's you true. I did. I did. Yeah. That's
1: right. Baby steps, Tom. Yeah.
2: yeah. And, uh, and the volunteers welcomed me to Oshkosh. <laughs> that's good. And I, and I said the same to you. Yes, I got you.
1: It's it's good to still be here. Yeah. Um, now, last year, Tom, as I remember right, uh, there was a movement amongst uh, your your coworkers and uh, alleged friends to uh, to get you to camp with your boat uh, and to actually live in your boat in the, <laughs> the campground. But I'm glad to see you chose the airplane. Although
2: uh, I'm told us. that somebody actually did do that thing with the boat. This really? Year. Yeah, somebody actually w- did have a With sailboat. your boat? Not my boat, okay. no. But somebody else had a sailboat. Because you, you should Shawin. know where your boat is yeah. at all times. I
1: think that's rule number one of, of boat. boating. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Um,
4: oh, no, number excellent. one in voting is spend money. <laughs> spend <laughs> money. Yes.
1: Find a hole in the water and throw money in it.
2: Anyway, um, no. It's, so there, you know, there's that. I, I tried to, every morning. I had um, or every morning I could. I had breakfast at the uh, Tall Pines Cafe down in Vintage and uh, and ultralights and um, uh, and the other thing uh, that I, I one of my favorite things to do during um, uh, airventure is um, you know I'm in my role. I have the uh, the the privilege of having a fairly. Uh, uh, a f- fairly generous vehicle pass so I'm usually driving up and down the grounds and my one of my favorite things to do is to pitch up pick up hitchhikers uh you know <laughs> uh coming during, back and, convention, during convention on the yes, Venture grounds. Know, so on the AirVenture not grounds, but, uh, okay but yeah people coming Plarity. up people coming up and back from the north 40 just asking you know uh um you know where did you come in from uh what are you flying um you know how many times have you been to Oshkosh? Wow. um a, a lot of uh, a lot of great conversations start that way and um it's um it's been uh, but that's that's just one of my one of my favorite things to do on there.
1: That's always been one of my favorites too. And I remember uh, a moment, not from this year, but from last year, picking up a couple of guys, guys giving them a lift, and then you know, where are you from? Well, they're from Oregon. They're from such such EA chapter. And then one of them looks at me and said, "Didn't you come and give a talk at our chapter about 12 years ago?" And I found out what chapter it was. Yeah, I did back in my last job. I was at Microsoft. But they, these guys just recognized me, but it seemed perfectly normal at the time that, of course, we'll just randomly bump into each other. Uh, but, but, Chris, you had another uh, another favorite moment you wanted to mention.
0: Yeah, one that I, I, I just have to tell is an interesting story it was um, I came from the Lifetime dinner, and I was getting ready to leave, and somebody said, uh, you need to go see what they did to the B-25s and left it at that. Now, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> you know, like, I'm envisioning all kinds of bad things. And, Graffiti. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. And so I, I run down the Warbirds, and that is when they had staged them like the Carrier Hornet parked out there. And we're just sort of, I just went out and walked on. There's nobody around. And they're just sitting out there, and it's sort of it's just starting to get dark. And that was emotional. I mean, seeing those all together, sort of, I mean, they're just nose to nose or nose to tail and wingtip to wingtip. And then Mr. Patrick shows up from from the B twenty five Georgie's gal, and him and I just sort of ended up over by his airplane talking, and then one by one they started to come out from his crew. And we made a reference to the fact that if you've ever seen Thirty Seconds Over Tokyo, it was like that when we're up on the deck and it's all fogged in and tied in and but it was just really emotional to sit there and look at those airplanes. And then of course, you know, the next night when they finally fired up and went off, you know, Dick Cole, the last surviving dual raider, was there saluting each one off of our you know, quote cool deck uh, of the Hornet. And that was, uh, that was emotional too. That was a really, really amazing experience. To Chris, you
4: should of. tell the audience um, what you had uh, everyone leave with in the B-25s. It's a pretty special thing you guys did.
0: I appreciate it. We wanted to think of something special in an EA way to say uh, thank you for bringing your B-25 in. It, it it certainly isn't cheap to bring something like that in. And it's a, it's a, a major commitment to bring your airplane into our show. And um, so what we came up with was... Um, uh, we made replicas of the bomb sites that they used on the Doolittle Raid, uh, because they knew the planes were going to fall into the hands of the enemy. They took their Norden bomb sites out, and they made these twenty uh, cent bomb sites, and uh, they were just—they're really—I mean—they're—they're they're, kind of crude, but they're really neat, and they mean a lot to folks who are interested in the Doolittle Raid. So each plane that left left with uh, a replica of the Norden bomb site that uh, Belkin and uh, uh, and John Hopkins and those guys made over there in the Weeks Hangar. So telling you, those guys,
4: for years to come, will look back on that and remember that event uh, along with that site. That was a neat touch. It was really
0: neat. A couple of them actually said they're taking their bomb sites out and putting the the, That's the cool. one that we gave nice. them in. <laughs> that, the that, nice. those, so. Absolutely <laughs> that cool. cool. That is very well, cool. And
3: you mentioned you mentioned Dick Cole, which, you know, we we had Dick at uh, and uh, Jana Doolittle and uh, Jimmy Doolittle III at Theater in the Woods. And, and I know in talking to David Hartman, we were concerned about, well, you know, Dick's, stamina, you know, to be, you know, there at night and how long would this go? And, you know, he, David started asking asking him questions and, and the more he asked, the the more wound up he got, you know, and he went for a good 45 minutes before the first question was ever thrown out to the other two on stage. And I thought it was just amazing. I mean, you could just see the, everybody, everybody in the crowd just hanging on every word, from this, this gentleman that, you know, is now, I think he's just now celebrating his 102nd birthday. Um, just absolutely amazing. And, and that, to me, those are, you know, as we went around the table here, one of the things I think we're describing are, what are those only in Oshkosh moments? I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And it's those types of things. You walk away going, man, I'm glad I was here. I'm glad I was part of this. I'm glad I was able to see it. Uh, and that really is is what the event's about, and I think that's as caretakers of the, the event, you know, that's what we're trying to make sure happens every year is that people walk away going, man, I'm glad I was there because I, I got to see this or that or whatever it might have been.
1: Absolutely. Now, uh, now, Tom, you were uh, you were gesticulating wildly a moment ago, saying you had one more, and <laughs> yeah. I'm warning everybody, we could do this for days.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. We have been
1: and, so far and, <laughs> until we collapse. But
2: uh, yeah, I um. Can't believe I didn't think of this earlier, but um, my department's also involved, um, m- less so myself than uh, than Sean and my colleague Mac. But uh, um, that's Mac Dixon, yes, that's private right. investigator. <laughs> <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, we we host every year the uh, the Founder's Innovation Prize, which is a, um, sure. a fairly substantial uh, cash prize um, twenty five thousand. Is that right, Sean? For the top um, twenty five,
4: ten, and five. First right. place twenty five, second place $10,000, third place five thousand.
2: That's right, and uh, uh, coincidentally, it's the same um, award as the as the original Orteg Prize was. It so, is. Um, yeah. yeah, so you can either fly across the Atlantic but, or you can uh, <laughs> uh, enter Help our save lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just,
1: we just won't mention the part about it being not adjusted for inflation. Well, yeah, Correct. exactly.
2: <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, the 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 is we've been this is the second year we've done it, and it's for um, coming up with innovative. Solutions um, for the issue of loss of control in general aviation, which, as many of us know, is the, um, the really the top um, top killer of uh, of general aviation pilots. And this year, the uh, we, we felt that the uh, the entries were, uh, were were really really good, and there are so many that all, all of the top five had very very solid um, uh, ideas and and uh, and proposals, but. The one that was head and shoulders above the rest and the one that ended up winning was a group of high school students from, um, from Virginia. And they were literally up against aer- aerospace engineers and astronaut and, uh, and, and uh, you know, some, uh, some former military pilots and things like that. They came up with a modular system that you can, uh, basically hang on the outside of your aircraft that will do, um, angle of attack, airspeed, basically energy state, um, uh, indications for the pilot, and then that routes to a um, an off-the-shelf available kind of a head-up display that you can have on either your headset or your, your glasses.
1: Isn't that fantastic? And
2: they have some. They have certainly have some development to do, but they were. It, it was it was a real incredible moment to see this group of three kids. Uh, just with that elation of having one and then, you know, having our judges, which include, you know, a former NTSB chairman, um, an astronaut, and, and, and a few others, um, you know, uh, come up to congratulate them and really, you know, kind of talk shop for a little bit. That was a really special moment.
4: Not only was it innovative, but their final price point in the solution was about $500. So it was unbelievably affordable. That's amazing.
1: That's yeah. terrific. And I was I was a, a pretty techie kid in high school, but like the, the best I ever did was – Get about halfway through a, a ripoff of donkey kong that would run on a trs80 <laughs> computer uh, with my friend craig if, I, if uh, any of you remember those uh, those computers in those days Are they called trash 80s yeah trash 80s <laughs> yes exactly radio shack rest in peace um <laughs> so i suppose uh, i get to to mention a few of my favorites now i'm going to try to keep it to the top 50 or 60 since I know we're running uh, we're running long um in no particular order but really the one of the first things that come to mind uh comes to mind for me was uh there were two old friends of my wife's and mine uh, that we knew from uh, from years ago, from a couple of careers ago. My old buddy, uh, Brian, from my days in law enforcement, and, uh, and his wife, Liesel, came out in 2016, their first trip to AirVenture, and it was really the first time we'd spent any substantial time together in, in about 20 years. And the, uh, he's somebody who's always sort of had an appreciation for aviation, but uh, never really got into it that much, flew with me a few times uh, when we were working together uh, 25, 30 years ago. But uh, they came out, they got completely wrapped up in the world of AirVenture, changed their plans and came back for a second day. Then they left, they went back to Washington State, and then Brian texts me, hey, I'm starting flying lessons. A couple weeks later, hey, I soloed. A couple months after that, hey, I passed my check ride. Oh my gosh, so he, so he comes back here in, a, in an intervening year. He's gone from from zero to private pilot. Now he's out here, he's shopping for airplanes, he's looking around and everything else, and then while they were there, uh, they uh, they they asked to go to the uh, member welcome center and talk to Nikki, and now there are our two newest lifetime members. Awesome. And uh, what a what a thrill that was to to have been uh, you know part of that process and see those two come aboard like that. Um, so uh, so that meant a lot, and of course uh, Jack was rooting them on uh, rather handily as well. Other things that stand out to me, um, it's always the people. It's always uh, you know, for me in particular this year was, uh, it was, I think, as much about uh, about the, the team of people I work with most closely and uh, some new people, some some longer-term co-workers, just that chance to sort of slog it out together in the ch- trenches, everybody counting on everybody, everybody relying on everybody, so much overlap in duties, but, uh, but people in the room like uh, Ty and Sarah, and of course others, uh, you know, Kelly, Jim, all those people, uh, just, committed no matter what the show must go on it's going to happen we're all going to do the right thing no matter what and uh you know you start off the week and 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 especially teaching and mentoring a couple of new people there's a sense of you know well we need to make sure they know that that part is their job but more importantly if you see it and it's not done you do it yourself and we get through the week uh proudly with no drama everybody's still standing (laughs) nobody's screaming all that good stuff that's always a that's always a good one um Quickly, as I think about a couple of other things on my list, I have to mention uh, hopping into Jack's golf cart and parading uh, up and down the flight line, chasing Stan Lee. That was one of those I'm not sure how or why I got here moments, but I was glad of it, getting some pictures, yelling Excelsior at Stan Lee and having him yell it back and give me a thumbs up. Uh, that was uh, that was a bit of nerdvana right there. Um, being up on the announcer stand with uh, Eric Lindbergh and Steve Boos when the Spirit of St. Louis replica took off and then, uh, and then trying to explain to Eric, yes, no, that really was my voice. That wasn't a real vintage radio thing. I totally made that up. But uh, that was an emotional moment for Eric, and Eric and I are old friends, so it was neat to, to be up there to watch him watch the replica of his grandfather's airplane uh, airplane take off. I mean, one, uh, one last thing that, uh, that comes to mind is... Uh, is uh, driving around with a couple of coworkers. One of them was uh, our staff writer, Megan Esau, and that's, uh, she's somebody that I've been uh, sort of unofficially uh, mentoring in the aviation world a bit since she started here as an intern a few years ago. And we're driving around, and suddenly she points, and says, what kind of airplane is that? That looks interesting. And I looked, and I didn't know. <laughs> I honestly could not identify it. We get closer and closer. Now I'm starting to I'm starting to categorize it. Well, it's sort of a mid-wing thing. It looks like early 60s, possibly a one-off, which always makes me feel better. If it's a one-off and I've never seen it before, I'm forgiven for not recognizing it, but I can't figure it out. And so we're getting closer and uh uh I think we we threw the end number into Google real quick and it comes back as a Super Cub. So that doesn't make any sense at all. So, I got to get to the bottom of this getting up there. And found out, sure enough, this was a, this was a mid-wing, open-cockpit, uh, sort of clip-wing Super Cub. Um, obviously, highly modified, you know, sort of a one-off, called the Mid-Wing Special, built for aerobatics, and it was, uh, it was done in about 61 or 62. I'll be doing a story on it for the magazine here pretty soon. Um, but it was uh, an airplane that flew up through the 90s doing air shows and then kind of got uh, set aside. And then was just re-restored and one of those photo finish things barely making it to Oshkosh, but it's gotta be at Oshkosh. But uh so number one, cool to find something I've never seen before. That always that always really gets me excited. Uh learning something, finding an airplane I've never I couldn't identify, and then being uh you know, being unbearably proud of uh of my own coworker Megan uh for uh for having learned enough to this point to say that's interesting. You know? <laughs> and then of course the uh, you know cool. the, the merciless abuse I got for I for not so. being not able me, to recognize go yeah. Megan yeah so no kidding. okay Sean how many mid wing specials have you seen
4: <laughs> I would have said I don't know what that is either. <laughs> yeah, exactly let's
1: but let's go find out but over here is a B twenty nine come over here Megan <laughs> yes yeah, exactly. come look at the B twenty you nine now for me if I can't identify this shall not stand I must I must know everything about this automatically and and immediately. So anyway, um, I think we can all agree uh, a great week, a great year. Uh, and Rick, you look like maybe you've got uh, one more thing on your mind.
3: No, I think you know we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, take the take the time to say thank you to the five thousand volunteers. And Absolutely. Make this thing happen. Um, you know, I think when you know as Sean was was talking about stepping back and looking at the magnitude of the event, um, you know, from a staff standpoint, we can help provide some direction and and you know, get involved in some of the early planning and that for this. But in the end, you know, it's 5,000 volunteers that make this thing happen. And, and I think we all realize, too, that, you know, even as an organization, if we could say, you know what, we can have paid staff doing all of this, um, at the end of the day, this event would never come off the way it does. It would never have the feel that it does it would never have the appeal that it does. Right. Um, and that's all driven by you know, the folks that are here, not just the week of AirVenture a week ahead of time, but here months ahead of time and, and really year-round uh, that, that really are responsible for pulling this off and delivering it in an EAA way. Um, and that's what makes this event different is, we know there's a secret sauce out there. Part of it is the volunteer side that really creates, you know, what makes this thing really special, and it's it's how it's delivered and the genuineness and grassroots side of, of you know the way it comes across, and and I just don't want to forget that none of us can because absolutely you know, it's incredibly important.
2: Yeah, I hope our listeners can forgive the naivete I had in thinking these thoughts, but when you know in the first couple of years I worked here. I kind of was looking at all of our volunteers and saying, man, who are these people and what motivates them to work so hard for our event? And then it it fairly quickly dawned on me that it's not our event, it's their event. They're hiring us to run the event, (laughs) to help them run the event. But at the end of the day, it's our members event and that's that's what keeps these volunteers coming back year after year.
1: It's our event in the sense that we're all, I think everybody at this table is an EA member first. And a staff member, second, um, you know, certainly would be would
4: be involved in this. But, you know, air venture more so than perhaps any other time of the year, being staff versus being volunteer melds together. Absolutely. it does. The the attitudes of we need to get this done. We need to hold the culture at the highest level and the the cleanliness and the aspects of the event that Paul started way back in the beginning days. And it really is that that love of aviation that brings us all together. Staff, volunteer.
1: Doesn't matter. Absolutely. Yep. That's it. And I've, you know, I, not to redraw those lines, Sean, but I've said it before, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep saying it uh, as long as I'm here. The, uh, uh, the volunteers could do it without the staff before the staff could do it without the volunteers.
4: True statement. Yeah, uh, without the, a doubt. Uh,
1: you know, we could all uh, go on strike for some insane reason. I think people, some people might notice, but it would still just keep happening. Absolutely. So I always try to keep that in mind. And the time I've with a volunteer, that they're the ones who really, really make it happen. But, uh, but here's to that partnership and, and how lucky we are to have it. So with that, uh, we're coming, uh, coming up to the end here. Uh, Rick or Sean, do you have any, any very early thoughts you'd, uh, you'd like to talk about? Uh, probably nothing you can disclose about next year, but, uh, but can you confirm that we're talking about next year already? We are. Oh, my gosh. We absolutely <laughs> are
3: talking about next year. We always end, the, you know, the, that particular air venture looking at one another going, okay, how do we top this? How do we top, <laughs> do we top no, that? Wow. Um, so that's where the yeah. conversation starts is right about there. But um, we'll have our first, uh, first planning session here in a couple weeks and, you know, begin to throw some uh, ideas together, which we have already. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, what was really interesting is I went back and looked at notes from that meeting in August of last year. And we had the bomber parade on there. We had Doolittle in the twenty fives on there. We had Apollo on there. All those things were discussed back in August, and and there were other things that you know we we discarded along the way. You know, not able to do everything, but I would expect the same thing to happen in the process this year as we go forward.
4: Yeah, I absolutely concur with what Rick just described. It's quite a process, and. It it always, you know, you you feed off the energy and success of the previous year. Sure. And, and you know, as long as you keep that momentum and you keep rolling forward with great ideas and good thinking and every year unfolds a whole litany of opportunities, you just need to capitalize on them. And you need to get them here and, and to be part of this amazing event. And right. it's fun. I mean, I can't wait to start planning next year. I, I know we're all still kind of tired. And, um, but it's going to be fun to sit down and roll up our sleeves and say, let's, let's knock this one out of the park even more. Absolutely.
1: And one of the best things about it too, is that, uh, is that we will plan things. We'll have ideas and, and those plans will, will come to fruition and be executed wonderfully as so many of them were this year. But then some of the, some of the most amazing things will be the ones that, uh, that just show up yes. yep. and that we didn't even see coming. And that is, uh, that's one of the most magical parts of it for me. So uh, with that, everybody, thanks uh, for sticking with us. We've gone a, a little bit long, but I think it was worth it. Uh, we certainly could go on and on and on with our, our reminiscences until we all start nodding off. But uh, uh, but anyway, uh, if you're out there listening, thanks for continuing to do so. Please head over to uh, iTunes or Google Play or any uh, podcast uh, home base of your choice. Give us a rating and a review. Uh, give us feedback on the, uh, on the blog post, however you'd like to let us know uh, how we're doing because that's very, very important to us. And with that, thanks to, uh, to Ty and Sarah for keeping things going. Thanks a lot to Sean and Rick for, uh, for guesting us today, guesting with us today, that is. And until next time, when you're cleared to land on the green dot.